Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Suns in four. Four minutes of nonstop Suns news, highlights, and takes on the team. Brought to you by 72 Sold. 72sold.com, where you can sell your home in 72 hours for thousands more than selling the traditional way. Suns in four. Suns visiting uh, Chase Center, downtown San Francisco. Final of four regular season meetings between the Suns and the Warriors. And after Jordan Poole hit an 18-footer to tie the score at uh, 2-2, looked like the Suns were going to run away with it. They go on a uh, 10-0, or excuse me, an 8-0 run. That was uh, capped off by a Devin Booker three. Tall, dribbling through the lane. Stops top of the key, fires to Booker. Left wing for three. He got nothing but the bottom of the net. And the Suns are up double digits. Yep, 12-2 at that point. John Bloom on the uh, call on the Suns radio network. That led to a Golden State timeout. The lead would get to as many as 11 after a uh, an unbelievable play that brought back memories of the NBA Finals last year. Suns working it around and Jay Crowder finding Mikel Bridges to beat the shot clock. Chris gets the inbounds pass, gives the Crowder left wing. They bounce it to Aiton on the left block against Draymond Green. Picks up his dribble and swings a pass pretty high for Bridges, but he comes down with it. Gets into the lane, fires to Paul. Now Crowder straight away, down low. Bridges an open shot at the shot clock buzzer, and he hit it without coming down. Crowder threw it up high, and Bridges gets a floater alley-oop style as the shot clock expires. Suns up 11 again, 18-7. to 18-7, yeah. as uh, Bloomer said there. That was such that was a, a tremendous play. Yeah. yeah, that was a great sequence. It really was. It was just, visually, it was something you don't see every day on a basketball court. Yeah, with uh, the 11-point lead, Jordan Poole at that point said, yeah, the things are going to go a little bit differently. He got red hot from the floor. Right wing, Poole, wide open for three. Got another one. Jordan Poole. That cut the lead to five at 25-20. Uh, and the Suns would lead, actually, actually would trail at the end of the first quarter, 32-29. Uh, Golden State with the lead. Into the second quarter we go. Suns would uh, regain the lead on a Jay Crowder. Long three-pointer. Jay Crowder gives to Devin Booker on the left wing. Down to seven on the shot clock. Booker double-teamed by Kuminga and Porter. Finds Crowder between the rings. A long three up and in for Jay Crowder. Mm. Just inside the logo at center court. He drilled that one. Yeah, the official score sheet uh, measured that at 31 feet from Jay Crowder. Uh, But that gave the Suns a three-point Deepest three I've ever seen him make. Yeah, I, I, I kind of said the same thing. He's not really known for those no. deep threes. He's usually a foot-on-the-line kind of guy. 39-36 at that point. Uh, the second quarter ended with uh, Golden State leading 50-48. to And I got to say this, a little commentary here. That second quarter was disgusting. It was disgusting basketball by both teams. Uh, who combined to shoot 31.8% from the floor, combined for 37 points and 11 turnovers. So you're hoping maybe the trip to the locker room would wash the stink off of both teams, and it did to a certain extent. Uh, Jordan Poole, but by the way, one thing that remained constant, he was still red hot in the third now quarter. Now Jay Crowder knocks the ball away from Looney. It's loose, taken by Poole. He's open for three straight away, and he got it. Oh, my. That three-pointer made it uh, 66 to 61. The Suns did have a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter, 77-75. You know what that means? 45 and 0 this year, entering oh, right, games right. Uh, with a fourth-quarter lead. They hadn't lost yet, uh, but it was nip and tuck the entire way on the fourth quarter. 
We'll get into the later stages of the fourth quarter with under two minutes to go. Chris Paul doing what he does. CP3 fading and hitting from 10 feet away. Going to his left. Chris Paul gives the Suns the lead. 98-96 with 90 seconds left to play. Yeah, the... uh... Warriors would eventually take a one-point lead with 39.8 seconds to go on two Jordan Poole free throws. Devin Booker, five seconds later after a silly foul uh, by Clay Thompson, would hit two free throws with uh, to give the Suns a one-point lead. So, uh, Warriors ball, they've got possession. It gets into the hands of their veteran Draymond Green and... You get a brain fart. And the inbounds pass goes to Draymond Green. Takes oh, a couple that's a dribbles, walk. And he walked with it. He threw the pass, but he came down on the ground before the pass got thrown to Clay Thompson. And Draymond Green claps his hands in the air and disgusts him. Yeah. Uh, you open the door for Chris Paul like yeah. that, Vic? CP3 is going to walk through it. Here comes Chris Paul. Left wing. Gets a pick from Crowder. Now he dribble drives into the lane. Scoops it up. And scores! CP3! foul. Suns by three with 13.1 seconds left. 104-101 the score. At that point, it would turn into a free-throw shooting contest. Um, Chris Paul put the Suns up by three, 106-103. In the closing seconds, Warriors still had a chance after uh, the inbounds play. Goes into Jordan Poole, who was red hot, and he kind of had a mental gaffe himself. Clay Thompson throws up the heave. It's no good, and the Suns win! 107-103, the final here at Chase Center. They tie the franchise record with win... That's actually the wrong highlight. Uh, The Jordan Poole miss. He comes up near midcourt with five seconds left on the clock. Fires one from midcourt because he thought Devin Booker was going to foul him. Booker kind of played uh, played it smart, backed off at the last minute, and uh, the the best chance for the Warriors to tie the game was then erased. Suns win it one hundred seven to uh, one hundred three, and a very strange but ultimately satisfying game. From, yeah, from I, San I Francisco. I th- yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, Devin Booker. If if he goaded Jordan Poole into that mistake, props to Devin Booker on that because that that was just really weird end game stuff. And you know what, Draymond Green made a couple of really dumb errors with the ball at the end of the that play-in tournament last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It's not. This is not the first time I've seen this with Draymond Green getting a little bit overamped in in key situations. Yeah, I, I to me, I, I thought there was a ton of heat on the floor. You could see uh, the Jay Crowder Draymond Green thing. That's only just beginning. So if these teams meet each other again in the playoffs, that is going to be something yeah. worth watching. And you I, said it early. Clay Thompson looked washed last night. Now, he didn't even look anything like the old Clay Thompson. A game, you know, a one game sample, yes, but man, he was he was dreadful, and he had the same shooting numbers as, as Devin Booker. He did. The difference was Devin Booker was able to get to the free throw line and mm-hmm. hit ten of twelve from the line, uh, so still contributed. But uh, Clay Thompson, if Clay Thompson has a decent game, yeah, with what Jordan Poole did, the Warriors probably win that pretty comfortably. Well, and it's so that's that's why does this game actually give the Warriors hope if these two teams meet? Does it does it suggest that the Suns get get pulled into a a different headspace whenever they're playing the Warriors and Draymond Green? I think there's a lot of that. I think I think all of this can be true at the same time. But at the end of it all, the Suns have proven yet again that that they can beat good teams without playing well. Yep. Uh, here's Chris Paul on the uh, franchise. Tying a record, 62 wins on the season. I mean, it's great. It's all going well. Um, obviously, I'd like to get a championship <laughs> to go along with that, but that doesn't diminish anything that we've done. You know, seasons are hard. It's a long season, ups and downs of a season. So, uh, 
you know, it's, it's dope to be a part of that with this franchise and have an opportunity to have the most wins this franchise ever had. Wasn't a time capsule game for Devin Booker by any stretch. No. He struggled from the floor, but uh, talked about what you can take away from a game like this. You know, we, we learned through experience. Um, you know, it's those type of games where I think there's a lot of missed layups, a lot of fouls today, a lot of missed open shots, and still find a way to come out with the win on the road is, is always important. Yeah, I haven't checked the numbers on, on what the Warriors did. on lay- it, Didn't it seem like they missed about 20 layups in that game, too? Ton, they missed a ton at the rim. Yeah. There was that play from Andre Iguodala, who delivered a beautiful pass, turned around and started celebrating and yeah. flexing, yeah. and his guy missed the layup. That'll be on TNT yeah. tonight, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. They, they, they missed a lot of stuff at the rim. They weren't exactly careful with the basketball. It was... It, it, Sloppy effort from them. Weird game. Weird game. Yeah, good way to put it. But uh, Suns move on to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies on Friday night. Coming up next, Bruce Arian steps aside in Tampa, gives the reins to Todd Bowles. But some people are saying, what about Byron Leftwich? We'll get into that more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash Marks. Well, Bruce Arians' decision to retire from coaching football certainly stunned the NFL, but not necessarily the organization. For the past couple of weeks, the Bucks have been working with Arians to decide exactly how they would go about his succession plan, with Arians really wanting to make sure that Todd Bowles was the coach who was going to step in to that head coaching position. I texted with Arians late throughout the night, talking to him about this decision, and ultimately he said that he wanted to make sure that Bowles was stepping into a situation where he was able to to succeed. Succession plans have been very important to Arians, and he knows that once Tom Brady was coming back to this team, he said it actually made his decision to retire easier because he knew that Bowles would be in a better situation to coach a solid team in 2022, and he could leave the Bucks organization in good hands for the future. It's Jeff Darlington from ESPN kind of uh, illustrating some of the points on what went down yesterday. Yeah. Looks like everybody in Tampa uh, within the organization knew this was happening, but uh, Bruce Arians stepping aside, handing the keys to the car to uh, Todd Bowles, his uh, former his defensive coordinator in both Tampa and with the Arizona Cardinals. And, and, and that explanation from Jeff Darlington actually makes a whole lot of sense. It doesn't completely erase the, the weirdness of what this offseason has been for Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, because at one point, not too long ago, Tom Brady wasn't in their future. He had uh, rode off into the sunset himself. Um, did Bruce Arians play a part in bringing Tom Brady back? Uh, the way it was reported, the way I read it, Bick, was that Brady found out pretty quickly after making the decision to come back to Tampa that Bruce Arians w- was leaving. But it also. Oh, I'm sure he knew before that. Yeah, it also doesn't wipe away all this uh, speculation about, you know, butting of heads in terms of philosophy or approach to, to running the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. I, I, w- I was told a few months ago near the end of the season that Tom Brady was getting very uncomfortable with just sort of the loosey nature of the Buccaneers at the end of last year. And he seemed to correlate that with their lack of success in some of their. Uh, erratic performances down the stretch. Keep in mind the Antonio Brown um, display in the end zone when mm-hmm. he ripped his jersey off and he retired came against a Jets team that the Bucks were struggling to beat that day. That is true. Struggling to win that game. And so all of, everything that came off of that game 
is sort of germane to this story because that was indicative of how loose it had become in Tampa. All right. So that so then when the story went to Tom Brady retiring, I thought to myself, there might be something to this. When Tom Brady decided to return, I just thought, okay, he can't stay away or he wanted to go elsewhere and the Bucks have called his bluff on it. It looks to me uh that 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 the Buccaneers chose to accommodate Tom Brady by clearing out BA. And it, it, to me, I, 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 the way I feel about BA, it makes me kind of angry inside. Yet at the same time, we don't know what that organization looked like at the end of last year. True. And Tom Brady is the guy with the rings and, and all that. Okay, so here's my point. The fact that it was now given to Todd Bowles makes me happy because there are very few people in football I like more than Todd Bowles. And I think Todd Bowles to Tom Brady represents something much closer to Bill Belichick than Bruce Arians does. The irony of it is, like you said, if Tom Brady got to the point where he's like, I need something different. I need somebody who's going to appreciate me. I need somebody who's going to stop yelling at me or whatever. Whatever his his issue was, I I need somebody who's going to let my trainer, my TB12 guy on the team playing and in the locker room. That's Mm -hmm. probably closer to the truth. Yeah. And if after two years in Tampa, he's like, no, I want something different. It's kind of it's kind of garbage. It's bunk, as they say. That's what it is. Uh, But the decision also, I wasn't surprised by it, that Todd Bowles will be the next head coach. He does have head coaching experience, and that's the biggest factor for me. But uh, there are some people asking, hey, you know, with Tom Brady, the biggest part of your team, offensive coach handing to a defensive coach, why not Byron Leftwich, who seems to be an up-and-comer, uh, and maybe ready for a head coaching job himself. Here's Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN on his explanation. I think they're in a win-now mode. Todd Bowles is an experienced coach, not only as a head coach, but he's coached for a long time. And I think Byron Leftwich has a bright future, but we're in a win-now mode, just not only with, obviously, the quarterback, but some of these other contracts. So I think it's the best of both worlds. But, Jay, well, going back to Key's point... I think if we're running the Buccaneers, we can't expect Byron Leftwich to be there long-term. Again, he was within a whisker being the head coach of the Jaguars, so they're going to be good again. He's going to be a hot candidate, and we got to be prepared for him to go. Yeah, I, you know, when, when the offseason started and we knew the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be looking for a coach, Byron Leftwich made a lot of sense. Uh, a guy who knows that market, knows that franchise, knows what it takes to win with that mm-hmm. franchise, despite the lack of head coaching experience, I thought... He would be the guy penciled in. They went Doug Peterson instead. Can't fault them for getting a Super Bowl winning coach to go to Jacksonville, but I think Tannenbaum's right. I don't think Byron Leftwich is is, is long for Tampa Bay after no, this year. No, and and I think that probably went into the equation as well, which is why it was shifted to Todd Bowles. Now, the idea that, that we want Todd Bowles to have a chance to succeed, which is why I'm stepping away now, because Todd deserves one uh-huh. year of Tom Brady so he can get launched properly. To me, the folly in that is that if Tom Brady leaves after one year, that's not going to buy anything for Todd Bowles in the future. He's already got a five-year contract. But it, let's say they make a deep playoff run, maybe win another Super Bowl, which they're going to be in the in the mix for. Okay. Make no mistake about it. Um, I agree with you. Brady moves on. They have to go to a contingency plan, a quarterback. You probably get a lot of veteran exits on the way out. But yeah. 
Winning that Super Bowl is going to give Tom or uh, Todd Bowles a, 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 a year lot at of least. cushion. A, a May, lot. Probably two. It, it depends what they do to fill Tom Brady. If Tom Brady chooses to go somewhere, I can't believe I'm saying this about a guy who's how old is he now? He's as old as me. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I can't believe we're we're talking about what his next football team might Ugh. happen to be. Yeah, I know, dude. I, I, again, and so it, it to me the whole retirement thing feels very disingenuous. Uh, that whole day that he was watching soccer at Manchester United, that just seems so, I don't know. It it feels like a coup, Vinny. It, it, it kind of does. It, 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 it's hard not to arrive at that from the outside without all the details. And B.A.'s had a great career. It's, it's, it's not like anyone has to feel sorry for B.A. They gave him a title and a paycheck and, and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I, I'm sure at the end of the day, he's good with it, and it, and they can all position it that hey, listen, I, I want I want one of my guys to get a fair shake at this thing going forward. This okay. is the second that, time he's walked away, though, and we know it didn't take long for him to figure out I don't belong where I'm at. No, now the front right. office might be different than the broadcast booth, but this might be it. Well, he's going to be 70. Right, exactly. And it, but see, do you see the similarity there? When he left the when he left the Cardinals, there was a sunset painted. Yes. For him, a yeah. happy ending painted. And a lot of it had to do with a missed kick in Seattle. But that was early January. Uh-huh. This right. is late March. Right. That's the big and difference so this here. This also feels kind of fabricated to but, it. you know, all the best to BA. But he's just moving to another role in the organization though. With what the, would that, with the what Cardinals could that he was role leaving. be? What could that role be? He's a football coach. He's an advisor. Yeah, I mean, right. and, and I but, hate to diminish the title that they gave him, but it's I I believe it's going to be largely cosmetic. I mean, Jason Light runs that team. And the last thing you want to do if you're BA is is get too close to Todd Bowles now. It's his deal. Yeah. So it it's a cero, it, it's a ceremonial title is what it is. Yeah. It's a parachute. Do you think they just told him, Tampa? They said, if you want this succession plan to happen, it has to happen right now. And that's Maybe. why Bruce is agreeing to this? Yes. Yes, Maybe. I do. Yes, I do. WWE 2K22 is out now. Throwdown with the biggest and most realistic WWE superstars and legends on PlayStation or Xbox. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com now for your chance to win a copy. Coming up next, Jarrett will take us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour Reboot is straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings on this Thursday, live from the Ak-Chan Community Studios here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. That's American-owned and American-dreamed Brooklyn Betting. All right, we are here with the Rush Hour Reboot. We do it every day at 7.30 a.m., usually hosted by Sarah Cazell. But today I will be filling in, and we go through the top stories of the day, and Bickley and Murata will react to all the headlines. And we'll start... Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a no, minute. No, that's all right, Jared. No, 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 no. What you, am I thinking? No, no. What am right, I doing? I, I'm, I'm not giving you any vibe today. Okay, fair You enough. do your thing. Wow, well, I went through and got 16 new greetings yesterday. Did you? Well, play yeah. one. We can wait. Play one for both of us. Yeah. yeah. Hello, hello, Dan and Vince. Hi, Jared. Hello. Hello again. There you go. See, that was uh, uh, worth uh, it. Uh, uh, the it Phoenix. Felt, it felt off to me. Oh, well. 
<laughs> the Phoenix Suns got their 62nd win of the season, a number which used to take them three seasons to get to. <laughs> Seriously, by yes. defeating the Golden State Warriors 107-103 to in a large part because Chris Paul was Chris Paul late. And once again, one of the best clutch players in the NBA. Here's Monty Williams talking about Chris Paul at the end of games. When he's on the floor and he has the ball in his hands, it takes a lot of pressure off of all of us. You know what I mean? I, 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 I think that's it. When the great quarterback is in a two-minute drill, certain teams just relax in those moments because of the greatness of the guy who has the ball. That's how I feel. You know, and he's... He and I have done it together so many times now. Um, There's a huge connection, but there's a sense of relief for me when he has the ball. This is a question that we pondered a lot when the trade was first made. I'm going to ask it to now again. You're down one point late in the game. Who do you want taking the last shot if you're the Phoenix Suns? Chris Paul or Devin Booker? Well, uh, I texted a buddy last night and I said, uh, with the way things have unfolded, if the Suns set up a play for Devin Booker, they deserve to lose. Mm -hmm. He just, he didn't have it last night. No, he did not. Um, So, recent events, I mean, it's still, take, take away last night's game, it's still a tough question, but I'm still going with Chris Paul. By yeah, I I, th- I think so. I think that's I think that's the right answer yeah. because you know Devin Booker still has to prove that on some level in the biggest of games. The the Bucks game last year is is still kind of sitting there. The good news is Devin Booker's not afraid of those moments. No, but the but different it, the, the difference for me. Sorry to cut you off, Vic. Um, is that Chris Paul even in those big? Everybody's looking at you, high leverage situations, still has the ability to get to wherever he wants on the court. That's right. That's right. And Devin Booker doesn't always have that, especially if he's got a primo defender on Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Chris Paul, by a small margin. It's great to have 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 such a debate, to have two guys like that, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, The Suns got their 60-second win. It was ugly. It was sloppy. It was tough. And Monty Williams talked about tying the franchise record with a win like that. Well, I told our guys, you know, we win pretty, we can win ugly. The bottom line is we just, we win. And to be able to, you know, win that game and tie the franchise record says a lot about what our players commit to every single day. You know, the execution down the stretch, we work on that stuff all the time. And um, in those moments, they all looked over to the sideline. They knew exactly what we were doing. And it made a difference down the stretch. So I'm, I'm unbelievably proud of our players and our staff, and, and I'm proud to, you know, be a part of the Suns' history in this way. It was an ugly win. The Golden State Warriors made it very tough. Are the Golden State Warriors the team you fear the most in the playoffs? Yes. As of right now, yes. My answer could change depending on what we see tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, the, I think I would rank them currently. Me, I would say Golden State one, the Clippers. If Kawhi comes back, he ain't coming back. The Grizzlies and the the Jazz just don't scare me. They probably should, but yeah, I think I think tomorrow night's game will add a little context to it. But 
I would say undoubtedly number one for me would be Golden State because because Steph Curry is coming back. Because and they even showed last night in a loss they can devastate you with their shooting. Mm-hmm. And it, it it seems like when you have those those types of shooters and if, if Pool and Curry are both going at the same time, it gets contag- That's hard. it get, get it gets it, contagious. Right. That's right. Yeah. So it they is, have that, and I don't think other teams do. It is the beauty of a best of seven series, though, because if it were one and done, I would absolutely be scared of Golden State because just like you said, they get hot from three. There's nothing you can do sometimes, even if you are the better team overall. Sure. All right, another big story today. Bruce Arians retired going to the front office, being replaced by Todd Bowles with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Jeremy Fowler said that the Bucks are still good in, in a good place despite the timing of everything. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should not skip a beat with Bruce Arians moving to a front office consulting role, Todd Bowles slipping into the head coaching role because this is a ready-made roster prepared to win a Super Bowl. Now Tom Brady, O.C. Byron Leftwich can handle the offense. And so Arians knows this team is in a good place. He wanted Bowles to be his successor. So by waiting until late March, it sort of facilitates that. Yes, the timing is noteworthy. We're talking about you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, great roster, and the coach walks away right now after free agency. Pretty odd thing. It's happened before, not too often. With all that's happened, where do you rank the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC? Ooh. um, Top three for me. Yeah, I think it has to be, right? You would would probably have to go out of respect. You'd have to go Rams one. They're the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, I'm not sold on the Packers right now. They mm-hmm. lost a ton. They did. There's nobody in the there's nobody in the NFC North that would qualify. The only one you could make the argument for is the Packers. I'd probably go I go number two or number three. It's either Rams Buccaneers or Rams 49ers Buccaneers. Where Buccaneers do you have... probably have to be number two based on quarterback. Yeah. And do you have any of those teams ahead of the best in the AFC? Do you have you still have the Rams as the overall number one? No, no, no. I don't. Buffalo is my overall number one. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, the, the AFC looks very strong. All right, finally, uh, the Diamondbacks' Zach Gallen made his first spring start after an injury plagued, after an inconsistent, after a disappointing 2021. This is him talking about how he felt pitching. It was coming out pretty good. Um, delivery felt pretty good. Everything was, was kind of there for strikes. Just... The one back foot slider to Hilliard is probably about the only pitch I'd like to, you know, be able to execute again. But other than that, I felt pretty good with how it went out there. Now, keep in mind that he did give that quote while being zapped by a Martian sting, <laughs> a Mar- Martian ray. So, but he was able to get through the quote. Uh, what are your What are your expectations for Zach Gallen this season? Um. The once and future ace of the team. Yeah, which has not played out when he, when he's pitched. And he had that run when he first joined the team where he was one of the most consistent starting pitchers in the National League. And it's been derailed by COVID and injuries ever since. I, I, I mean, I'm crossing my fingers that this is the year he can be the guy. Because if he yeah. is the guy, it kind of sets everything in motion for the rest of the rotation. But yeah. it's hard to put those expectations on him now based on the recent injury history. If you have two-plus really good starting pitchers, you can flirt with a 500 season. And that, that to me, is Zach Gallen and how he does in his role as a starter this year is going to largely determine, is this going to be a 55-win team or maybe a 70-plus win team? Yeah. 
Oi! <laughs> that was the, that was the peak. best case scenario. Sorry, ten plus. games below five hundred. Well, do what do you want me to predict? The, the wild card playoff berth hey, for him. Bick's keeping it real. No, no, you're right, and I did the math wrong anyway. They'd have they'd be twenty games below five hundred if they had like seventy two wins, seventy one wins. There's a long debate on that. Oh, if you're seventy and ninety two. Are you twenty one or twenty two games under five hundred, or are you eleven games under five hundred? Wait, wait, won, wait, wait! Say that again. If you're seventy and seventy and ninety two. All right. Most people would say you're twenty two games, games under, under five hundred. You're not because you only play one hundred and sixty two. So eleven not, not more two. wins would <laughs> bring you to five hundred. <laughs> right. Man, this is. We'll fight about it, Nick. Ne- no. <laughs> anyway, you've been rebooted. Thank you, Jared. And Jared does rhyme with ferret, so there you go. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. No, well, still no. No, it doesn't, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll talk Suns and NBA. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, joins us straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The broadcasters of your area in voluntary Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We continue on the Thursday edition of Bickley and Morata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is our pleasure to welcome to the show to talk Phoenix Suns at NBA, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck, our guest on the 72-sold sports line. Good morning, Howard. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, we've been monitoring things and, and and you know keeping tabs on the national perspective of the Phoenix Suns for a while, Howard. And it seems like the, in the last week um, there's been this shift of well, look at the analytics. The Suns are clearly the best team in the league. Some people are suggesting they're going to breeze through the playoffs. I'm not buying it. And I think last night's game in San Francisco was kind of a, a sign of how tough things can get in the postseason. But overall, what, what is your take on the Suns and their, you know, their role as maybe the favorites to win this whole thing right now? Well, I mean, you know, labeling favorites is always tricky in this league. And I think trickier this season than, than some others. I mean, look, on paper, on, on just the, the, the statistical outline alone, standings alone, the most basic and most uh, meaningful of all, of all stats is just the wins and losses, right, in the regular season. And they're so far ahead of the field in terms of winning percentage, the only 60-win team in the league this season, and still with enough games to go to you know, obviously push that a little higher. And if you get into the mid-60s, mid to high 60s and win totals, like the uh, track record and historically of teams – going to the finals and winning it all in that range is pretty high. Yeah, it is. And so, and, and so based on that alone, and you can throw everything else in their net rating and differentials, all these other things. Um, I think where, and I had this discussion with Stan Van Gundy for my podcast, which is uh, running tomorrow, the crossover podcast from sports illustrated if folks want to check it out. But I had this conversation with Stan because I said, look, the disconnect I think is this, um, in the NBA, we are used to seeing championship favorites who fit a certain profile. Now, that profile has been less relevant the last couple of years, which I'll, I'll get into. But, like, generally speaking, it's especially in this era, it's been super teams, right? Mm-hmm. And that's usually meant, like, three, three all-stars, at least one of whom is an MVP candidate um, and, a, and a top one and a perennial one, right? It's LeBron and Wade and Bosh, and it's, it's Curry and, and Clay and Durant and Draymond. And we're not used to seeing – this version 
Now, the Bucks were kind of this version, too, right? Now, Giannis is at another level above everybody and, and was a two-time MVP even before he became finals MVP. But Giannis as an MVP plus two, you know, all-star caliber players who sometimes are and sometimes aren't in Middleton and, and Drew Holiday plus a really great supporting cast that was well-calibrated, and you win the title. The Suns are kind of like that, right? Chris Paul, a Hall of Famer, but, you know, up there in years. Devin Booker, young guy who's just – you know, starting to get the recognition for all of his, his talent and contributions. Aiton's really good. Bridges is really good. Great supporting cast. But it doesn't look like a super team. And it doesn't look like the Shaq and Kobe Lakers or the Michael and Scotty Suns or the Showtime. Like, it, it, they don't fit the profile. And I think if there's a disconnect or a we're not sold until we see it, it's because they don't on paper look like overpowering typical NBA uh, contender who – is just packed with stars. Yeah. Stars win in this league, and they don't. And they're not stacked with them. Doesn't mean they can't win, and it and it doesn't mean it's not an insult and it's not skepticism. It's just they don't look the part. Other than when you look down and go, oh, there are a bazillion games ahead of everybody else, and that that yeah. that's meaningful. Yeah, and and as you pointed out, Howard, as history shows you, those the the numbers, the the realm they're getting into, numbers wise, victory wise, separation wise, those teams can knock down playoff teams like bowling pins, and, and we've seen history prove that. Uh, what does Draymond Green's mouth and his heat and his intensity do in terms of promoting or, or putting an obstacle in front of the Suns? Because as my partner, I think, was getting at, last night's game kind of showed that the Suns aren't always uh, maybe a little too on edge when they play the Warriors because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of pedigree on the other side. And that pedigree means something, right? Like mm-hmm. if teams win, you know, team wins three championships and goes to a bazillion finals in a row. That pedigree means something. And um, there's a there's a know how there and a confidence and a swagger that comes with that. Um, you know, the Warriors are in a weird state right now until Steph comes back. And you know, I, I would be in the category of person who, who says, look, if, if Steph is back and is at 100% or close to it, and Draymond, you know, gets out of this funk that he's been in the last couple of weeks because, you know, it's taken him a while to get his legs back under him after all that time off. Like, the Warriors are going to be a ton to deal with. And, I mean, they haven't had the kind of regular season that earns them favorite status, but they have the pedigree that could earn them favorite status. And if they're at full strength, people might be really split on a Warriors-Suns series. Um, I, I think that, you know... The, the Suns have proven enough, though. They went to the finals. They went six games against a really uh, incredibly talented and well-oiled team. And the know-how part of this, I believe, is learned in deep postseason runs, either repeated playoff appearances or, in the Suns' case, one really impressive long, deep run to the finals. And Chris Paul has all the know-how in the world, Um and the younger guys got their taste of it. So it, I don't think they're going to be daunted by anything in a second run through, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've been in the finals now. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a normal finals in, in some respects. We were still at the tail end of a, of a weird COVID uh, curbed season. But um, packed arenas and, you know, it, this wasn't the bubble. So I, I, I think it's legit and I think it helps them. 
Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated, our guest here on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Uh, staying on the topic of, of pedigree, and I think it's fascinating in this case too, Howard, is that the Memphis Grizzlies are a winning machine right now. The second best team record-wise in the league, but a team with almost zero pedigree. They played five real playoff games last year. They lost four of them. That considered, uh, how do you stack up their chances to really make some noise in the Western Conference? The Grizzlies? Yes. Um, they're, they're incredibly impressive, and no one saw this coming at all. And, you know, even, you know, even with John Morant out there, they just are rolling over people. I, I think the thing with the Grizzlies is, okay, there's one, there's lack of pedigree, right? Like they've, had, they've got a taste of the playoffs, but they have not won a playoff series. This is their first time at this level the Suns are the the outlier from last year, right? Like teams don't usually go from, you know, eight, you know, eight years, ten years in the, in the lottery, and then all of a sudden become a finals team overnight, unless you've just added LeBron James. Um, the Grizzlies are making that kind of leap, but they're even younger. They don't have a Chris Paul, and they're really great in the open court. They're really great with just beating teams on energy and hustle alone. Sometimes they don't have a ton of shooting. And, you know, and that's not Jaw's strength. And I think in the playoffs, teams are going to slow them down and, and, and grind things to a halt and make them work a lot more for their points. And it's going to be a lot more difficult for them. So I respect the heck out of what the Grizzlies have done. Uh, Taylor Jenkins might just be coach of the year. Uh, and, you know, John Morant's all NBA and, you know, on and on. Uh, I, I don't know that I trust a team that is making its first real foray into this tier of of the 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 standings to to make a deep run um they may surprise us and the fact is aside from the suns you can't really rely on anybody else in the west right the warriors have all kinds of asterisks next to them right now because of their season the the mavericks and uh you know the 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 timberwolves the clippers the nuggets like it's just a the jazz it's just a weird field it really really is all right in the east the 76ers um perch atop the eastern conference was not exactly long-lived how do you handicap who's going to come out of that conference yeah and that's the thing right we could look at the, the west and say well okay the suns are probably the, the the favorite they you know there's some things that could happen but they but they they certainly look like the favorite in the east like you can't identify one team and say that they're the favorite the the bucks are defending champs and are now whole with Brooke Lopez back the celtics were just crushing people for 3 months and just as we installed them as hey maybe they're the favorite then they lose robert williams for we'll see how long uh, the heat you know the heat don't have a giannis or a kevin durant or, or any of those guys like they're they're just really well orchestrated except for when they're wanting to kill each other a week ago. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, like, we just – there's a lot of caveats to all these teams. The Sixers, like, the Sixers have been really great at times. And then, you know, at times James Harden doesn't quite look like he's got the same pop anymore. And the Nets are trying to do this from the play-in. And we don't know when or if Ben Simmons is actually going to join them. So, um, I default to the Bucks. I default to the, the team that, that won a championship in the last 12 months – and that is whole again. And if the record doesn't necessarily scream dominant, well, that's not unusual for a defending champ. They often, uh, you know, lose a few more games the next season because they know they're playing for June. Howard, thanks so much for uh, joining the show today. We appreciate the uh, information and the insight. 
Always a pleasure, Phil. Thanks, Thank you, Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. You can check out that crossover NBA podcast as well. He joined us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. Coming up next, Dan Bickley kicks off the second half of the show with the Bickley Blast. That's next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.